Hey Tall Skulls, Nick here. Sorry to have to do this again, but it's Omen's fault this time. So, there's that. So, Omen's recording was not up to wonderful standards, and he's got some feedback and some fuzz and some white noise. I've done my best to edit it out and put silence in where it, it's supposed to be, but there's always going to be a little bit of fuzz in his speech for this episode. So please bear with us. We're going to address it. We're going to make it better. You shouldn't have to listen to fuzz. We're better than that, and you deserve better. So thank you for sticking with us. Enjoy. Talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, nebify your zoodler, take the squim-squams out of the boo-wrangler, and flemulate the zigglers on your frudel. Because it's time to sprangle toy to me. <laughs> Mine sounded Yiddish. <laughs> yes, it did. Welcome back to Talk Tell to Me. I'm Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill, and we are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me, a Dr. Seuss-ish voyage through the nonsense world which is the brain of prog rock star Ian Anderson. We'll consume green eggs and ham, hop on pop, and see all the places we can go <laughs> and where Ian Anderson takes us along the catalog of each song that he has created in bright neon colors and bizarre shapes. That was very smooth, Nick. I have a, I have a three-year-old. I've, I've read my fair amount of Dr. <laughs> Seuss. Fair enough. <laughs> so, hi. Hi, everyone. Hey. I feel like it's been a while. I feel like it's been about a week, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, before we get into things, as usual, we've got a tiny bit of housekeeping. Thank you, Mary. So we've got a tiny bit of an addendum for you. Just referencing last week's song, Wondering Again. I can't believe that we didn't catch this, and I only caught it in the editing process. So in Wondering Aloud, there's a line at the end that is, and it's only the giving that makes you what you are. Mm -hmm. And it's only the giving that makes And we, in, in Wandering Aloud, we talked about how it's about a relationship and it's loving and it's, it's about sharing a life with each other. Right. And a relationship is about giving to each other. Right. But in Wandering Again, the, the mirror line is, and it's only the taking that makes you what you are. Which I think very well fits into that that whole song because it's about taking from the earth and only thinking about yourself and dealing with the consequences of that. And that defines the humanity that we see in that specific song. You know, Nick, you know why I think that we missed that last week? 
because we were so depressed already by the time we got to the end of the song? I think because it's it's almost too obvious. Oh. Yeah, I suppose. I think it's just a nice callback to all the other callbacks in that song. We were like a cat trying to find a treat that is right in front of our noses, literally, literally <laughs> right under our mouth. And we were like, where is it? Where? What are you talking about? Where is it? I don't know. I, 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 I smell nothing. something. I don't I don't know. There are no treats. I can't trust you. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Well, thank you for that little um, that mini addendum. Yep. That addendum. Yep. A, an, an addendita. Yeah. What um what go. else do we have to talk about before we jump into our main course? I have just one more thing I'd like to cover. John, our Anglo correspondent, has been diligently responding to every cry for help that we put out as the the episodes come up. <laughs> Hello, John. And uh I've I've in his honor as I I imagine we're going to be seeing this further down the road as well. Yes. I've got a little sting that I'm going to play for him. Ooh. And we're just going to cover what we have. We'll, we'll cover all of the answers that he's given us thus far. Okay. In reference to Up To Me. Yes. Since you ask, put one on you is a threat of violence. It is typically uttered by a young man looking for an excuse not to execute the threat without losing face. Hence the convenience in the song of a policeman or copper being present. That's pretty much what we had theorized. I think I think it's pretty spot on to be honest. That's great. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Another one we've got here. This is in reference to the bonus track interview on Aqualung. Ah yes. Where where the interviewer sounds like Noel Felding. Yes. And uh, he's here John is explaining to us Noel Felding is from London. The goth center of Britain is Birmingham, which is in the West Midlands. You can hear examples of Birmingham accents on Peaky Blinders on Netflix. The gothest show that is currently running. I, it must be. It must Super be. goth. <laughs> and finally, one more reference for us. It does what it says on the tin. I, there, was, there was one point where I just struggled with that saying and I could not remember it. That phrase comes from a UK TV advert from 1994 for Ron Seal's quick-drying wood stain, which stains wood and dries quickly. It says that on the actual tin itself. Great. This is Ron Seal quick-drying wood stain. You can't miss it. It comes in a tin with Ron Seal quick-drying wood stain on it. It protects and it's rainproof in about 30 minutes which means in about 30 minutes, your wood's rainproof and protected. So if you've got wood to stain and you want it to dry quickly, use Ronsil Quick Dry and Wood Stain. It does exactly what it says on the tin. And what was that in reference to, Nick? That was, oh gosh, I don't even... Was that part of the interview? I don't remember why I had tried to spit out that phrase. But in further in his, in his email, since last Tuesday was only the 21st of December for you, I wish you both a Merry Christmas. Oh, <laughs> so it had to be something that we recorded on the 21st of December, but I got this two weeks ago. So that was, let's see, what just published? What? Well, you did get it by steamership. That's right. Well, which seems appropriate because it's locomotive breath. Ah. 
No, I think it was wind up actually. It might've been wind up that that was in. That sounds, sounds about right. So yet again, thank you so very much, John, for your, your Anglo info. And we will uh, look forward to any other answers that you have for clearing up our confusion, because I'm sure there will be more yeah. along the way. Until next time. Yeah. Cheerio, my good sir. <laughs> I, I I can't support that. <laughs> do, do something. Say something British, Nick. Uh, fish and chips. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's it. That's it for distractions this week. Let's do. Let's move on. I think. Let's jump right in. So, here Nick, at this point. let me ask you um, a, a deep, important question. Yeah. What song are we listening to this week? We are listening to, according to what a little bird told me, might very well be one of your favorite songs, Omen. It. <laughs> it is life's a long song. Let's have a listen. Let us. So, Omen. Hello, yes, Nick. In in the, I don't know, in like two sentences, explain to us why this is one of your favorite Tall songs. Oh my god, wait, songs. I only, I have two sentences? May, yeah, you've put constraints on me before, may, so I think it's only fair. May I use commas? <laughs> All right, Melville. <laughs> <laughs> Where to begin? Question mark. Is that is that your first sentence? This no, <laughs> no, that's so warm up. This is this is one of my favorite songs because it's so hopeful. It has such a a sense of of lightness and and positivity about it, which is so unusual in Jethro Tull songs. Period. Period. All right. And the other sentence that I want to say about this song is it was really what I needed to hear at the time that I was introduced to it as a long-haired, patchouli-wearing, monochromatic outfits, 17 So much brown. In upstate New York. Varying shades of brown, yeah. but so yeah, much well, brown. Yeah, well, I did have... I had that... You had a Union Jack headband that you wore for a while that was your splash of color. I sure did. And I often I often tied it to this song, like gearing up for battle. As you were listening to it, you were also, you happened to be tying that headband, that bandana. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think, I think there is, I think everybody listening has a song or two that happened to be a staple in their repertoire in such crucial moments of their lives. Such formidable? No. Formative. Formative, thank you. Such formative moments of their lives. And you, of course, mean their listening repertoire. Sure. I, unless they were playing it at the same time, you know, which could be even cooler. But I didn't, I never played an instrument, so. Mm. You played, do you have a, oh, okay. Do you have a flute song <laughs> that is formative for you? You mean one that I played? One that you played when you played the flute, yeah. 
Yeah, I used to play the theme song from the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. <laughs> it really got me in the mood. <laughs> but, lest we digress... Any further. <laughs> Nick, what does this song do for you? Is this one of your favorites, or is this just, like, out there in the in the, the stellar field of Jethro Tull? This... Before we started this episode, this song was was kind of just a, a song I would listen to in passing. It didn't really hold anything terribly poignant for me. Sure. But the 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 meaning behind this song, the story that it's telling, the promise of hope that it's telling, yeah, has become really something nice for me to look at because a little a little look behind the uh, the Jethro Tull vinyl here this is the third or fourth time we've recorded this episode <laughs> due to any number and variety of technical errors yeah so the 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 prospect of life is a long song don't get bogged down in this moment this this is just a series of notes that happen to be, say, in a minor key or whatever, and it'll pick up again. Yeah, that's really the the brilliant message behind it, isn't it? Yeah, the idea of looking to the and and we've heard we've heard this message in so many songs. Yes, of look on the bright side of things, but this one is is just. But this offers a unique and very beautiful poetic perspective perspective on it, which is. Which is not just that, like, oh, things are bad now and they'll get better, but mm-hmm. like, but actually, the thing that you're experiencing right now, even though it may seem unpleasant, is actually part of this in- extraordinary construction that, when looked at together and taken as a whole, is a beautiful work of art that is, you know, it, that it's sublime. Right. It's it's not just, hey, buck up, kid, things will get better. It's There's a really wow. nice and beautiful metaphor, a really powerful metaphor that feels kind of extra, if, if it carries more weight because it's singing about a song from, from the perspective of Ian Anderson. And I would consider him an expert at this point in songs and life in general. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, he was what? Probably his his mid mm, early twenties, early early mid twenties when he wrote this. Yeah. So it does. I, thinking about it that way, it does smack a little a little bit of of the the young the youngster saying life has been so hard, and it's it's kind of easy to dismiss that. But a, another thing that we've said about Ian is he is the oldest of old souls, yeah. and has been since he since his umbilical scar was healing, you know? So yeah, no, I, I, I was going to, I was going to say that. And the other thing is that it's not like he's saying, you know, this could easily be a, Oh, everything's so bad, but maybe it'll get better. Blah, blah, blah. Like, Oh, I know that I'm going to be great someday. It's literally, it's almost, it, it all, it almost reminds me of some of the, the Buddhist concepts of, you know, the thing that you're experiencing is simply the thing that you're experiencing. Yeah. And and taken as a whole, like there's a unity in in life that 
so it's not even it's not even that things are good or bad it's just life it, it's almost saying life is a is a singular thing and how extraordinary how extraordinarily lucky we are to get to experience that huh you know it doesn't say life's a good song yeah that's true or life's a pretty song right or girl you're a song you make me want to roll my windows down and smooth you know that song i don't i, I don't know that song Who's it by? What's it called? I'll no, put it I in do here. not know. I don't know anything. I don't know. All right, I'm, I'll find song, it and I'll put it in. You make me wanna roll my windows down, and and what? And mourn the and loss cruise. of my dog. Oh, girl, you a song. You make me wanna roll my windows down and cruise. <laughs> Baby, you a song. And you make me wanna roll my windows down and cruise. I don't know how much of any of that is usable. Nick, you know, there's one thing that I want to point out about this song. You, you know you know my feelings on metaphors. Yes. I like them straight. Not mixed. Not mixed. Yep. Gently agitated. At best. At best. Maybe, maybe a drop of bitters. That's it. Only if you're feeling frisky. Uh, only if, yes. This is a simple metaphor. It is a yeah. sound metaphor. It's also a sound metaphor. <laughs> and there are you also... made that sound lascivious, and I, I don't think it was supposed to be, but <laughs> I mean, t- to each their own, I suppose. And there are also layers in there. The, the layers of the structure of the playing of the song support the metaphor itself. And all of that I greatly appreciate. I would like to zero in on one little moment that I really sets this whole thing off for me. May I do so, Nick? Uh, yeah. Can I just piggyback on that? Piggy. R- real, real quick. Pardon me, Wally Piggy. The show me how to Piggy. Show me, show me. Ah. Uh, it could having such a quote unquote simple metaphor could make it very easy for it to become overplayed or or. He could be. It could. He could very easily have leaned too heavily on the metaphor, or made it naff or twee or, or yeah, Pollyanna-ish. Yeah, but he's he somehow he he just like he skirts just above the uh, with at a steady momentum of this is the this is what I'm telling you. And I'm going to build up a, a little bit of, of proof. It's kind of like a thesis statement. You know, I'm, I'm going to build on it as the verses go by and end with a repetition of my thesis. And we're good here. <laughs> and, and we're good here. Dr. Dr. Anderson. Dr. Dr. Bogenbroom. Oh, not yet. Nope. No, I agree. It has, it has, it has the sort of sophistication and beauty of a, of a mathematical formula. Yeah. Yeah, but there's 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 a warmth behind it that that makes it more poetic than academic. Are you familiar, Nick, with the the Japanese tradition of painting historically? Like with the the like calligraphic paintbrush painting, or no, no, like the more mural type stuff. I, I mean, I know they did it. Yes, that's what I know as well. <laughs> Great. I, Good talk. I don't know why I don't know why I brought that up. So there's a concept in 
I think it comes from Japan in art. Uh, and the concept is the master artist should always leave or even introduce at least one mistake into the work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we discussed this before. Because otherwise your soul will get trapped in, in the piece of art. Yeah, it was something about Martin Barr jamming and then they they kept in something a little tweaked on one of his songs. I don't I think it was way way back early on. Right. Well, in the very first verse when Ian is singing uh-huh. in this song and he does that first that first sort of set of of chord changes, he misfingers one of the chords and so there's one dissonant note oh. in that early on. And it's just it's so brief. Uh-huh. But it's and it's as far as I can tell, the only misstep or mis you know misplaced note in the entire thing. But it's so beautiful that it's in there because it totally proves, sure, the thesis, like you're saying. Yeah, it's an it's a nice, a nice subtle reference, I guess. And maybe it was a genuine mistake, but maybe. Oh yeah, no, I I I I believe that it would be, you know. And maybe it was the sort of thing where he listened to it later and thought, actually, that's sort of great. Yeah, let's leave that. Yeah. So Nick, we we've sort of we've sort of we've sort of done this backwards to how we usually do. We usually talk about the the meaning of the song later on. Shall we talk for a moment about the music? Yeah, I think referencing that that little that little guitar tweak is uh, is a good good segue there. So you said you referenced Ian playing the guitar there. Indeed. And as we're we're starting to see more and more as we're starting as st- it's starting to cement our our theories here is is Ian Anderson is a darn good acoustic player. This track, and specifically his guitar playing on this track, is so incredible. It's so smooth. It's it's so far away from what anyone else at the time was doing, as far as I can tell. It's not jazz. It's not he's not trying to play a jazz style. He's not trying to play the blues. It doesn't even really sound like what we traditionally think of as rock and roll. It's completely unique. It's its own style. I mean, it has sort of the roots of, of it's the sort of first inklings of folk rock, maybe. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's It's got a bit of, it's like a progenitor to when he starts to really go folk after he he gets through his prog phase, or his, um, he'll always be prog in my heart, uh, after he gets through his, his concept album phase, which we'll sure, be yeah. addressing next. But yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a nice folk acoustic little little jingly riff there. But it's so complex. The rhythm is so complex that the chords that he yeah. is, is doing, those are some very fast changes. He puts in those those really quick 16th note or even 32nd note runs where it's like squiddly, squiddly, and then he picks right back up with the rhythm. Yeah, the little the little transitions, the flourishes. Yeah. One more time. One more time. L, everyone together now. Everyone now. Three. There we go. Perfect. The song is in six eight time. Very prog. Nice. Yep. Makes it a bit more difficult to play. I think. Sure. It's constantly driving on itself. Uh huh. It constantly has that forward momentum. The rhythm is so steady. That's super hard. Yeah. Especially since he doesn't have Clive Bunker or 
anyone to back him up and to give him that that sense of rhythm. Probably Glenn on bass at this point. Right. Still, Glenn Cornick? Let's say so. Yeah. It's just overwhelmingly impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it starts starts with that really nice, solid, steady driving acoustic. Then we get a little more of the instrumentation. We, we hear a little flute in there as well. And then probably two-thirds of the way, before you even realize it, the strings are in again. The strings don't come in until the third verse, which is fairly late in the song. Yeah. Yeah, but they... They have a tendency to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what's so great about the build of this song. The whole first verse and first chorus is all just the guitar and Ian singing. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of voice doubling on the first chorus. John Evan on the piano doesn't come in until the second verse, and then it's, you know, it's quite subtle. Yeah. As the verses unfold and your soul suffers the long day. And then it just uh, it just builds and builds and builds, and then those strings come in and and continue to build. We do have drums coming in on the on the second on the second chorus after the second verse. Okay, it really conveys this sense that like what you have now or what you're experiencing now is the bass that will be added to later. Mm-hmm. So so don't be try to. You know, just be where you are because because the the guitar riff that you're laying down now, even if it seems basic and you're bored with it, is going to be the bass that carries along all of the other glorious instruments which provide the richness of your of your entire life. Yeah, just just wait, just wait for the next instrument to come on, and and you'll see the progression. Exactly, and you'll see that it's not so bad. Because there's always time for something more. There's always time for a key change. You know, life is a long song. And yet, the tune ends too soon for us all. How long is this song? Mm, That's uh, a tough question. Let me check that one. This is a... Three minutes and 11 seconds. Yep. Yeah. So, pretty standard for a tall song at this point, I think. Even on a little bit of the shorter side. Potentially. Well, yeah, yeah. If you're grading on a curve, yeah. <laughs> and it it all comes to kind of a head and just plows through until the very end. And and I, even though I've always commented on the strings and I always try to make it a point to recognize when they come in, I always miss it because <laughs> it's just it's just they work it's it in so well constructed. S- yeah. Yeah, this song, having had to listen to it so many times and hear you praise it so many times. No, I I really appreciate this song now. I really do. If for no other reason than musically. To use a, a sewing metaphor, I feel like the seams on this song are really well hidden. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it, it flows so smoothly. So smoothly. It's like a, a well-prepared tasting menu oh yes okay to go back to every food metaphor we always do all right do um do do a an aeronautical metaphor about this song oh gosh it is it is the perfect calculation of rocket fuel and thrust that you don't even realize you've left earth's gravity oh okay yeah 
All right, give me a give me a, a title. Do a nautical one, a plain nautical. Oh, one. a nautical metaphor. You like nautical so much. This is a journey that starts with us with navigating out of the port using a single jib sail, and then you add on sail after sail after sail until you are on a dead run with full canvas under a shining sun. That was good. Thank you. I I thought you would just be like a full jib sail and then you start sailing some more. <laughs> and then you keep doing more you, sailing. More jibs. Add keep more adding jibs. <laughs> Nick, let's move on to some of the specific lyrics of this song. How do you feel about that? Yeah, okay. Okay, what do you want to talk about? I would like to talk about the 12 o'clock gloom. Okay. Is that just like I'm sleepy after after I had lunch? Well, what does it mean <laughs> to you? How, how does that resonate in your life? Okay. As the verses unfold and your soul suffers the long day and the mm. 12 o'clock gloom spins the room, you struggle on your way. And the 12 o'clock gloom spins the room, you struggle on your way. Yeah, to be honest, that's like you looking at the clock and, and thinking, I am only halfway through my day <laughs> exactly. of sitting at this desk and yeah. putting in insurance information or yeah. or serving people coffee or whatever your slog of choice is. It's like that meme where it's it says when you go to work for when you go to work for seven hours and you look at your, your watch and realize you've open, you've only been there for twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. When I had a desk job, that's what it was like. Who boy. Yeah. Yeah. And there, right, and there's a certain point where you just feel like there's no way I'm getting out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I will not survive if time keeps slowing. <laughs> this is my existence for infinity. Yeah, it's purgatory. Yeah. Right. And this and the good reminder of this song is nope, that's just temporary. Everything is right. temporary. Even the the experience of life itself. But taken together it's a beautiful kaleidoscopic event. The the song of life is longer than your sufferance of sitting at a desk job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to ask me about some of the lyrics? Is is that what you wanted to talk about with 12 O'Clock Gloom? Yeah, I just wanted to get your read on it. Okay. One that I really like is, as the Baker Street train spills your pain all over mm. your new dress. As the Baker Street train spills your pain all over your new dress. What do you got for that? I live in a city, uh-huh. not London. There is no Baker Street train. There may be a Baker Street. I think there might actually be a Baker Street in New York City. I, I don't know. But I don't think there's a train there. And even if there is one, it may not be capable of spilling your pain. <laughs> I remember one time. So, you know, you know my, my strategy, and I think a lot of people's strategy in New York on the subway especially, is to... Keep your cards close to your chest. You know, you yeah. get on your train. Keep everything close to your chest. You you go where you're going, and you know you try not to let on too much about about who you are. Yeah, that's my strategy. You know, show no weakness. Show no weakness. Show, yeah, exactly. I want to be neutral. I don't want to be. I don't want to look stressed out. I don't want to be stressed out either. But if I've had a bad day, I don't like. I don't want everybody in the world to know about it. Yeah, and I remember. I remember a couple of years ago, I had had a long day at work. I was really tired. I had I was carrying a bunch of heavy stuff, and I 
the the trains were all messed up as they sometimes are in New York. So you know things were going on different platforms, and I and I just figured it out in time to run to the next platform and miss the train that I really oh, wanted. And the next one was not for like fifteen minutes, and I was already late getting home. And when and I just threw my bag down on the on the platform, and I think I swore quite loudly and like. Also dropped my phone because I like lost control of my body for a second. And I just, like, <laughs> it was just like a moment of complete mess. Yeah, and and everyone just kind of like turned and looked at looked at me with that like, yeah, we're all feeling that way, but like, chill, dude. Keep it together. <laughs> and I felt like I had shown I had spilled my pain all over myself. Okay, so that is that how you interpret that? Yeah, it is. It is. It's like it's like when when outside circumstance upset you to the point where you lose composure. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and you and your pain is therefore visible. Yes, there for the world to see. Okay. I like that. Nick, let me ask you about the symphony sounds. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's just it's the sounds of being underground where there are trains just roaring by at not safe to hear decibels and people talking and and playing music and yelling and it is that it is the sound of a city and in that particular pocket in a city that is that is being underground waiting for a train the the symphony sounds underground puts you under duress yeah it's it's and loud noises on a on a lizard brain level spike panic in 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 humans and mammals it's it's not so evident for for some of us and some of us don't display it as much but i mean any loud noise is going to going to release all those stress hormones and nastiness you know and what an amazing way to turn an experience on its head say you know what some people would describe as a cacophony or a, mm. a battle in says the symphony sound yeah that all of this all of this all of these disparate things are actually all part of this one amazingly constructed beautiful experience yeah now at, at this point in the song the strings have already come in right this would have been a really nice part to introduce the strings in yeah, I think they flourish. And the symphony sounds underground, but you wanted you arrest. Okay, so so he definitely acknowledges. Yeah, he it, it is 100% acknowledged there. I'm very happy with that. Ian Anderson can rest easy. That's some of that gorgeous yeah, yeah, don't worry Ian, I won't I won't write an email. That's some of that that gorgeous tall string sound that I just love so much that that broad sweeping it's it's every time I hear their strings it has that I don't even I can't even explain it I don't know if it's like <laughs> I don't know if it's the the combination of instruments I don't know if it's a specific key or something but it you love them it's a it, it hits a specific note and I I whenever I I can't <laughs> 
I know this happens every time. And I can't, I obviously can't say, say what the hell I'm trying to say here, but I never, whenever I hear strings elsewhere, it doesn't sound like that. You know what I want to do for you, Nick? Put together a compilation of like all the tall strings. I, I want to take the tall strings, the sound of the tall strings and weave it into an amazing Technicolor dream coat for you that you can, that you can swaddle yourself in. And just go yep. through your day living in a in a in a garment made of that sound. It would be my my Wonder Woman bracelets or my my Captain America shield. Indeed, and I could protect myself. I I was thinking I I'd go into a sensory deprivation chamber and just play those strings. You might never come out. I would just go insane. Yeah, like it would be like going <laughs> into the Matrix. I wouldn't yeah. want to leave. I would take the blue <laughs> pill. They'd cut. Yeah, we'd open up the doors and there'd be nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and that was the end of Nick McGill. Just oh. empty. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the string force now. Oh my gosh. Nick, Ooh. is there anything else that we want to discuss about this song? No, I I don't think so. I think that's that's pretty solid for this. I don't really even yeah. have any closing. I think honestly, any closing remarks would probably be string related, and you've already heard it all. Yeah, let's already. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's back off to a safe distance of a hundred feet. <laughs> but the tune ends too soon. Well, Nick, what are we listening to next week? Next week is we're getting back into a chunk that you haven't heard before. It's going to be Up the Pool. And by you, you mean me. <laughs> yes, by by me, I mean you. What? <laughs> so next week, we'll be talking tall to you, by whom I mean the listener, about Up the Pool. Until then, there's no reason why you can't write a couple of notes into your symphony make your song at least five notes long and may those notes be star-shaped until next week fair listeners i am nick mcgill i am omen said we are feckless momes and this is talk tall to me Dear God, Omen, I, I think we've done it. I don't even want to record an outro. <laughs>